0: I, I'm as ready as I'll ever be.
1: You're as ready as you'll ever be. I've seen you readier. No. Yeah, no, I've seen you
0: readier.
1: <laughs> it's 8.02 a.m. Saturday, June the 2nd, 2018. I'm Bill.
0: I'm Nyan.
1: It's the Bill and <laughs> Episode 252, I believe. I believe with every drop of rain that falls, a flower grows. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, believe in a in love. I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm going to take me a sip. <laughs> ah, I have an egg. Sorry. Uh oh. here
1: she goes.
0: Unfortunately, my.
1: Diane's got a spot of a thing.
0: I've got a spot of a thing. A bit of a, I don't bit know. Of a bit of a bug is creeping through yeah. her system. And it's causing my laugh, when I laugh, to turn out to be a cough, Uh which is not fun. Oh, well. I don't... A wheezy cough at that.
1: Lovely. Lovely.
0: Yeah, I started coming down with this uh, Wednesday. And at first I thought I had skirted it off entirely, but I still have a wee portion of it. It's
1: strange because, you know, you and I are such incredibly healthy people. (laughs) And, uh, and well, it's been a
0: long time since I've right. caught a virus. That, that
1: we don't get the, the sick, the, the, when we get sick, it's not like it's, it's not like a, you know it used to be. It's different. It is, is different. Is, and it seems to be, I mean, different in a better way. Like it's not quite as impactful. Yeah. And, uh, so here's hoping that this is another in, a, in that series of. I'm hoping not as impactful things because the last time I thought I was coming down was something. I went to bed thinking, oh, God, I'm going to feel like crap in the morning. And I woke up in the morning and felt better.
0: So Well, the thing that makes me feel badly about this one is that we were going to go see Holly Gwyn Graham mm. at Olympia. Right, traditions tonight. Traditions tonight. And I just am not there yet mm. <clears throat> in my health. And also, I'm still am having this bit of a cough, and I just don't want to be the coffee. You don't want to be the in person the, in, in the, the back. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. No, I'd like to do something deeply moving. You <laughs> <Ew>, boy. It's <laughs> good coffee. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thwarted plans. Thwarted plans, um,
1: but Holly, we will see you uh, the next time you play down there at Traditions. We will, yeah. we will make every effort to get down there because I want to do that. Me too. Been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine as per usual. We did lose our our uh, one of our favorite cousins, Mary Lee, this last week, as was pretty much expected to, was going to happen, and uh, but it's a
0: what it's, a mixture of emotions, yeah. You know, yeah. I know I will feel the same way when my mom departs. You have this feeling that they are moving towards the place they need to be. You know that this life doesn't have much left to offer right. and and yet from the standpoint of just feeling the loss of that spirit in the world it's always a yeah. tough thing
1: yep. yep the generations are thinning out but that's kind of what they do that is the yep. closing of the circle the uh, you know
0: when i was telling you when all this happened no you weren't
1: you weren't telling me anything You were clearing your throat, is what you were doing, and then you were going to tell me something, but you never actually did, so go ahead.
0: Um, That, At this stage, it does feel like uh, we're losing that generation of our parents and aunts and uncles, and and I always remember the thing my father said at my grandmother's uh, funeral was, I am now the eldest elder, and... For some reason, that really struck me when that happened because um, my grandmother had been quite old when she died, and somehow it just affected me to know that my father was now in that generation of the eldest elders. Anyway.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm hopeful, just selfishly, that... uh, this will be a, a chance for uh, me and my sister to be closer with the, with the Lander home kids who we've known our whole lives and who are no longer kids. I was
0: going to say kids. <laughs> well,
1: I mean, I'd still think of them as kids sometimes. And I remember Annie leaning over to me in the hospital saying, being grown-ups suck. Let's, <laughs> sucks. Let's go, back. Let's go back and be kids again. Let's go be kids again. So, anyway.
0: Well, it's got its rich benefits in other ways, but it's, man,
1: it, it's it's quite poetic in many ways. It's quite yeah. poetic. So, and you can't uh, you can't deny the poetry, you know? So, anyway, that happened. And uh, what happened to you, Diane?
0: <laughs> I think i have Sort of Something said what happened to me. <clears throat>
1: no, really, Diane, what happened?
0: Well, I had my first rolfing oh, yeah. experience right. on it's Tuesday. Called
1: structural integration, Diane. That's the new, the okay, uh, the structural more integration. Updated,
0: uh, yeah, but there's all sorts of different kinds of structural integration. Yeah, I know. and I somehow I wonder that, if that's why I caught those uh, viruses.
1: I, I think that uh,
0: well, I think it dislodged some kind of crud in me somewhere
1: rolfing kind of got a bad name back in the 70s or something like that when it was first introduced i was talking to my sister about it she said oh i thought i thought it had something to do with with screaming and making noise i said no i think that's primal scream therapy (laughs) which i think they kind of came into my attention at least around the same time primal scream therapy and rolfing and rolfing is kind of like you know primal screaming for your for your, <laughs> your body parts your your fascia and your things like that so it is fairly uh it can be quite intense and i also was uh, was rolf just her my structure was integrated yesterday, uh, in a fairly uh impactful way uh, i do think it helps i do think it is I think the mystery of my right hip is, continues to unfold, leaf by leaf, layer by layer. Uh, so challenging, but not uh, not unrewarding. You know, these new uh, stretches and things that I'm that I'm working on now are very difficult for me. <laughs> At least right now, because I'm engaging with. Uh, the parts of my body that have been giving me the most pain yeah, you know and so that's kind of what you're trying to uh loosen an area up that has been tight for you know 40 years or so it can be it can take a couple of days it can <coughs> take a couple of days yeah
0: it can take a little while but my other <clears throat> the other thing that happened this week I, I had a very intensely busy work week because it was short we're coming up at in the time that we're incredibly busy, no matter what. The yeah, it's end interesting. of the fiscal. I don't know
1: if a lot of people know that the end of the fiscal year for in in university life is also an incredibly uh, busy time.
0: Yeah, a lot of people have said, "Oh, do you get the summer off?" And I'm like, "No, that's <laughs> the summer's my the busy season." season. <laughs> um, so I'm going into this very busy season, but. One of my Facebook friends, I have the great honor to uh, be a Facebook friend with Hayden Reese, mm-hmm. who is the a filmmaker of uh, great honor in our lives. We discovered him. I know we've talked about him before. We've discovered him through uh, your purchase of William Stafford's uh the documentary on William Stafford, Every War Has Two Losers. Right. And it also had a marvelous, uh, in fact, the, my preferred film, that is uh, the friendship between...
1: The literary friendship of literary, Stafford and Robert
0: Bly, Which is just a marvelous film. And so we first discovered him in this way, and I wrote to him, Um, because I just was so amazed by those documentaries. And I have often thrown out these little uh, fan letters to people that do something that I just feel has changed something in my life. But he responded, and I hadn't even really thought about it, but this is just like a little independent film, so um, it's not like he's... Martin Scorsese or something like that. Um, and thereafter, we had purchased his Rumi documentary, which had been done prior to the Every Warhead to Losers because we were so enchanted by his films. Yeah. And then he uh, put out a Robert Bly documentary uh, that we actually uh, participated in the I don't know whether it was through Indiegogo, I think it was, fundraising for, because we just were so thrilled that to be able to participate in such a project. Anyway, um, I feel very honored to be a friend of his on Facebook, and uh, and he had posted a little video of this, this storyteller named Martin Shaw. You said that Martin Shaw was in some of these videos, but yeah, he's I don't remember. in the Robert Bly video. In the Robert Bly one.
1: Yeah, I think he may be in the other ones too. I just remember him most from the Robert Bly one.
0: But I just was enchanted by this little video. I posted it up on my Facebook page, and then I started seeking out some of his uh, stories uh, because I just I just thought it was such an amazing And there's a lot video. of them on YouTube. There are a lot of them, and... And so I was doing something that was pretty rote at work, and as I was doing it, I listened to this one story, which I recommend so thoroughly, called Tatty Hood, um, because it is just like listening to this little one-person play. It's very dramatic in the storytelling. And I, I really was thinking about how, as I listen to this story, it feels like a salve of some sort is being put on my soul. I I almost feel like there's a nourishment that I get from these stories that are deeply mysterious in a lot of ways and, and not something you can grab on instantly. And and it made me think about how there's uh, right now i think that part of our woes in culture are coming from just living in this skin deep layer rather than going down to the depths of our um of our being and i i personally feel like a lot of the chatter that is going on in um in our digital lives and in our personal lives and everything is not coming from that sense of deep mystery about life. And I mean, I I constantly think about it myself, like we just, we have candles lit this morning. Fire is such a mystery, you know, it's a mystery that we cannot take for granted. It can be like this candle flame that is gentle and warming to our sight and and uh, and scent, or it can rage like a forest fire and uh, you know it's I don't know water and air that's why I really like the idea of of considering the elements and considering the animals and but somehow listening to uh, Martin Shaw's. Thoughts on the little video that I had posted made me feel how difficult it is in our modern society to achieve that depth and appreciation because, you know, like we have all of our food that we just get from the store. We don't have to go out and pick it. We don't have to go hunt it. But it wouldn't even be easy for us to do that. I mean, some people can. But it's almost like you have to have a certain amount of money to even afford to be able to <laughs> grow your own food because you have to have the land to do it on and uh, stuff like that. So anyway, that was a a a real part of my thoughts this week was just how you can kind of have to bloom where you're planted and we're planted in this uh, in this modern day time. And there's not a lot we can do about our financial circumstances that we're born into or whatever you've got to be able to to live your life in that but but it made me feel how distant it can be sometimes from from the mysteries of of life which is why i like to go out to the ocean
1: right it seems like this is a a period of time where everything is there's just too much noise there's and people don't get enough quiet in their life. You know. I mean, I've talked about it before As you know, we've forgotten how to be bored. Um, yeah. And we've forgotten the kind of seeds of ideas that come out of boredom and that's just one element of it. I think it's just that there's uh, it's like we've built a, a culture wherein <clears throat> the noise never stops. I, I find myself grappling with it every day because there are so many great podcasts. I love all yeah. these podcasts, and I can spend an entire day just listening to one after another. And I'm still, you know, I'm going about my business. I'm, you know, cooking or doing the dishes or, you know, doing little things, but I'm not really sitting with my own thoughts, you know? So I really have to kind of be disciplined about saying, okay, I will listen to podcasts while I'm doing my exercises. And then I got to shut it down. Yeah. I got to, because if I don't have time, how am I supposed to? do anything creative or, or, you know, let the events that have happened in my actual life resonate and, you know, gain meaning or something if I don't have quiet, if I don't have you know, time without uh, outside input other than, you know, bird songs and things like that. It always, it just amazes me sometimes when I'm out walking. Uh, and I'll see all these people out jogging or walking and they're all, they've are all they all got noise playing in their head, you know. Yeah. And uh, me, I like listening to the dawn chorus, you know. This is yeah. the time of year where the dawn chorus is just, just amazing to listen to. And then you've got little train sounds coming from the shoreline down on Puget Sound and stuff like that and the traffic from the freeway and you've got this amazing amount of sound happening in quiet. You know, there's a lot of the big difference between quiet and silence, um, but people don't exist that much anymore in quiet. And well, and,
0: and also just this anger that's boiling up amongst everybody about different things. You know the, and I, I keep thinking how much of that anger is just sort of this feeling of. Um, overload, overwhelm yeah. by everything that's happening in the immediate access to it and the immediate yeah. grasp of it, and so there's and the something sense of,
1: the sense of need that comes with that to stay updated. Yeah, because once you jack into that kind of stream of information, uh, you're afraid you're going to miss something important. Yeah, exactly. You know? and... Well, in
0: these days it seems more more of a whirling dervish than ever. But, yeah. but anyway, that's why I thought the Martin Shaw, listening to some of these stories, uh, and just the same as when I'm listening to Michael Mead, who I also discovered through uh, these documentaries that Hayden Reese made, I just feel like it's just amazing. Uh, he has introduced a lot of figures of importance uh, into our lives, and I'm very deeply grateful for that. Yeah, and all
1: of those people, Robert Bly, Michael Mead, uh, Martin Shaw, they're all connected to Joseph
0: Campbell, too. Yeah. Uh, their- I mean, uh, I I find that it's like this string of people that, uh, that seem to appeal to me, and it's the mythological life, the storytelling right. life. Right. And I feel like, for me, I think that I... I adore Joseph Campbell, but Michael Mead and um, Martin Shaw actually represent a little bit more informal, he he had a very academic approach, which I deeply appreciate, but there's something that's really magical about having it taken down into more just the...
1: More of an uh, earthy, loamy kind of... Yeah,
0: earthy, loamy, exactly.
1: And... and You know, Michael Mead is kind of like your, I don't know, mythology siphoned through like a street tough, you know, whereas Martin Shaw is a little bit more kind of the Celtic kind of, uh, you know, I don't know, that kind of druidic kind of uh, (laughs) siphon that is filtered down through so you get these different perspectives. But basically... Telling the same kinds of stories and and bringing the same kinds of uh, insights to the surface or a chance to, you know, one of the things that I always like about Michael Mead is that he talks about you you need to sit with the story for a while and see what part of it uh, it,
0: it hits you, yeah, yeah, because...
1: What what aspect of it is resonating in you at any given time, and it may be a different aspect at a different time, but, you know, I really feel like the listening to a story like that invites you to sit in quiet and then uh, and then let the story resonate inside of you you don't immediately have the impulse to move on to another story yeah <clears throat> and uh, so there's an invitation there to to have your own thoughts around something which i think one of the things that's so the, I attribute to the anger and the kind of constant kind of surfacy kind of yelling and screaming that's going on right now between people is that people don't have a chance to process any of the information. Exactly. And they're so over-saturated with information. And I think what people are feeling is an impatience for the quiet necessary to process so that they can actually develop a deeper idea than they're just their surface reactive thing all we're getting is people's surface reactive reaction in the moment kind of the knee-jerk kind of response it's like everything that we're seeing in the media now is a series of knee-jerk responses uh, to something without and it doesn't seem like people are taking a lot of time to really formulate uh, ideas or plans of actions and, and staying staying calm about things so that they can actually do something about it
0: it just seems yeah. like people are aggrieved, yeah. but they don't want to find the deeper reason for the
1: well it's not that they don't want to i don't I think people are losing touch with the fact that that's even <coughs> available to them, you know so anyway, this was not meant to be a critique of contemporary culture and society, but, yeah <clears throat> but there is a
0: although the the story that we've chosen from Martin Shaw is a bit of a critique of modern society mm-hmm. and um, or at least that's the way I interpret the story. Yeah. And um, and the reason why we chose this one was because it's short enough that it won't make our show two hours long. Yeah. But I really was very swept up by this story. Yeah. And I think it represents how wonderful a storyteller is. And it really makes me feel like, man... That's, I think that's the third act for me. I think I want to learn how to tell stories even more enchanting in that sort of a way.
2: So let's begin with a story. Once upon a time, long time ago, there was a hunter. And it's the end of the day and he's feeling a little bit like you do sometimes. He's tired, his boots are wet and he's coming back to his little hut. He sees something that really frightens him. He sees a trail of blue smoke coming from the hut. Someone's in there. As he comes to the door and he he peers in, this is what he sees. He sees that someone has prepared him a meal. He sees that someone has bothered to get his raggedy pile of clothes washed and a little bit sewn up. No one's ever been kind to him before. That's the important thing. No one's been kind like that. All week, this goes on, till finally, on Friday, and I think you would have done this a little earlier than him, he comes home early, (laughs) you would, wouldn't you? He comes up to the door, peers in, and this is what he sees. There's a woman in the hut. Her back is turned to him, and she's cooking. And as she's cooking, she's singing in some old language that it is difficult for us to even think about anymore old words and as he looks at her and he can see she has a river of dark red hair down her back he knows in the way that hunters know that this is fox woman dreaming this woman is part fox part woman and part spirit of the forest she knows in the way that all women know when you're being watched. So she just turns, absolutely unaffected by the whole thing, and she says this, I will be the woman of this hut. Very flamenco. (laughs) I will be the woman of this hut. And the hunter looks at her, and he recognizes a good thing when he sees it, and he says, "Yeah." (laughs) yeah. It's a very sweet night they had that night. You, you know, we've all had a few nights like this where there's a little candle in it, an old bottle, empty bottle of wine, and the food is good. Turns out she knows a lot of jokes. Turns out she knows a lot of songs. Turns out he knows a few stories. And slowly, between them, love is wrapping its swan feather cloak around them. We're all a little jealous to this day. But you gotta know that all fox women Have a pelt. You all have pelts. And the way she dealt with her pelt was this. She hung it on the back of the door. It was just there glittering that deep red, like little sparks of fire coming from it. And some of you will know, if you've ever been close to a fox, that their pelt gives off quite a strong scent, a wild, regal scent, let's call it, but it's strong. And as the weeks turn into months, and she's living in the hut, that pelt really starts to give off its scent. It gets into the mind of the hunter. It gets into the clothes of the hunter. It gets into everything. Till one night, he's sitting down there at the table again. And there's the little candle, the whole scene. And he says something like this. Bright pulse of my whole understanding, Skywoman of the dawn, blossoming branch. You are whiter than the swan on the pool. You are more tuneful than the fiddle. When I met you, I thought the moon herself had fallen out of the sky into a bed of wild flowers and was singing an old tune I had waited my whole life to hear. But there's just this one thing. there's just this one thing it's the pelt (laughs) it's awfully strong now I'm not saying burn the pelt I'm not saying the pelt is bad but in a little domestic situation like this it's overwhelming would you consider just taking your pelt somewhere hang it off a tree hang it outside but move it out of our little love den and she looked at him like you looked at him with that disappointment. Mm. And she thought, well, maybe it's a phase, and said nothing, didn't move the pelt. Goes on. Now, he's, it's all he can smell is the pelt. Until one night at dinner, maybe he's had a little bit too much wine, and the charm has left his language, and the goodness has left his heart. And he just slams his fist down on the table, and he said, listen, I told you once already, get rid of the pelt. And in the morning when he woke up, the fox woman was gone, the pelt was gone, and the scent was gone. And they say and say truly, to this day, the hunter stands lonely in his whole body at the entrance of the hut for the scent of the fox woman. Lonely in his whole body for the scent of the fox woman. That's the story. This tiny little five minute story that is as deep as Shakespeare, isn't it? Little story that you could tell, you could tell it to your daughters, you could tell it to your sons, you could tell it to your parents. We've <sighs> got a lot of wallop. Somewhere in history, we've done that. Somewhere in history, we have exiled the fox woman. And I say in my language, as truthfully as I can, that the MA in myth and ecology is nothing more than an attempt to sing across the snow to the fox woman, that's truly what it is.